Welcome to Vida I Wish I Knew Then, a safe space where modern Latinas share their healing journeys on how to build confidence and are now breaking barriers. I'm your host, Jess, and this podcast will talk about our cultura and speak on topics we wish we knew before, of course, with a little Spanglish to it. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Vida I Wish I Knew Then. I am thrilled to have my dear friend, Carmen Valencia, with me today. Carmen and I met through this coaching program, and I think we, uh, correct me if if I'm wrong, Carmen, but I feel like you and I immediately hit it off. Uh, And what I love from it is that we started voice messaging each other, and to this day, me recuerda uh, de mi childhood when I used to play with walkie-talkies. So that's how it felt. I was like, I love chatting with Carmen through uh, this voice messages. I love that. No, I think we hit it off right away. I think also I just viewed you as a as a sister, as an hermana, because like you, you intentionally were reaching out to me and I was like, I love this. So I loved it. Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like I'm not a, I am shy in a way, but in a way I'm not. And when I say I'm not shy is if I find a human being that I know that has good intentions, like I have no problem reaching out to them. And um, I think the best part from all of this is that we have never met in person before. <laughs> Myself sometimes that I have not met you in person. But the strong connection that we had since the beginning. It's such a beautiful thing. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. And and that just shows, uh, one, the power of social media, and two, just having a good connection with another individual. Uh, Again, it feels like we've been knowing each other for years. I also have to remind myself that I don't know you in in human flesh here. And and I talk about you with my husband, too. and, And sometimes he's like, wait do you know her? I was like, I mean, I know her, but I don't know her in person. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so Carmen, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you here is because you and I share something very, very in common. And that is bringing awareness to our mental health, bringing awareness to being okay to ask for help, be bringing awareness to express how you feel in the moment and overall promoting self-care. So with that being said, friend, I once again am so happy that you agreed to join me today. Por favor, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and just a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. Again, I am so proud of you. Orgullosa de ti for starting and launching this podcast. Um, and for having me on. Yeah, um, my name is Carmen Valencia. Um, what I do for a living is I am a multimedia journalist. I work for Spectrum News here in Los Angeles. I've been a journalist for going on six years now. So I love covering um, anything that has to do with, with the Latino community. I love covering immigration and just uplifting um, our community. We have so many beautiful and inspiring stories. And then I love covering mental health. That's actually one of my beats. Um, aside from my title, I, I love my my job. But I think the best way to describe me is I just love to love. <laughs> I love life. I love adventure. I love people. I love experiences. And I really think that that really defines me. And it has taken me a long time to be able to articulate, you know, 
who am who am I? So I think that's the best way to to show or to articulate who I am as a person. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I think that I could attest to everything that you're saying. You are definitely a lovely person. And and I know that you do care. And I love watching your different reports that you... By the way, what channel do you air? And if you don't mind telling us. Yeah, so we air on channel one. Um, and we also have an app, kind of plug that in. So we're on air online. Um, and then you can find us on our website to spectrumnews.com. Wonderful. Thank you. So when you talk about mental health and covering mental health stories, like what are some of the stories that you cover? Because I feel like mental health is such a broad topic. Um, And a lot of the times I've had amigas that tell me, you know, I have anxiety, I have depression, but there's a lot more to it. There is also positive things to it. So what are some of the stories that you can that maybe a story that caught your attention or something that you actually pursue in covering as a story? Yeah, so I love, you know, mental health is so, as you mentioned, so broad, and there's so many different elements, you know, different communities struggle with different things when it comes to mental health. And I really try to make it my goal to, in my stories, have someone that has experienced that kind of mental health Um, But find a way to really push it forward and to, you know, put in there, implement some resources, uh, benefits. Where can people look for these resources? Different therapists. I mean, that's one thing that I have found when talking to, to people is that like how to find a therapist. You know, if you don't have insurance, where do you go? So I really like putting that in my stories. Um, I think a story that always hits close to home is when I speak about suicide um, or suicide ideations um, among the Latino community. I think in that I have found too that a lot of people in our community were not really, I don't want to call any names, but like the older generation, um, I have found that, you know, we still don't talk about mental health or it's kind of talked about, but, you know, we don't touch, we only touch the surface of it. And so that's really what I try to put in my stories is to kind of break down that stigma, um, the machismo, you know, the, you know, the pride, uh, that the older generation usually has to try to break that down in my stories. Um, and I think one of my recent stories that I've done is suicide, the suicide rates among Latinos. And I spoke with a woman who lost her best friend to suicide and she couldn't talk about it in her family because her parents didn't get it. And, you know, that, that life event that happened in her life obviously hurt her. And so then she struggled mm-hmm. with suicide ideations. Um, and I think she attempted, she attempted. Um, and so, you know, taking a break because it, it's hard to speak sometimes, you know, to have someone feel the need or feel like there's no one around for you to actually get to that point where you feel like it's better to take your own life away. Um, I take a huge responsibility in, in taking and that story really hit me hard. Um, but she's here. She started a network of, of therapists and she's paying it forward and she's sharing her story. 
in hopes that other young Latinos know, and everyone in general, right? Not just Latinos, know that they're not alone. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that those stories with us. And, and I think that this speaks volumes to the reason why we need to have these type of conversations. Because just by you saying that, I'm sure that someone's going to be like, oh, dang, there's someone else that is experiencing exactly what I felt through that one time or in this moment. And you're absolutely right. It's something that is a stigma amongst especially the Latino community where we don't talk about our feelings or these thoughts that cross our minds. Um, in my previous, in some of my previous episodes, I talk about how I was feeling a certain way, which I knew wasn't normal, but I couldn't even identify that it was connected to mental health because it wasn't part of my vocabulary. Like, if you don't talk about something in particular, how are you going to know that that something does exist if there's no awareness to it? Right. So th thank you so much, um, Carmen, for, for bringing this awareness, especially when you have such a great platform um, in, in going the extra mile by actually providing the resources. With that being said, what can you tell any of our listeners um, if they're going through a moment like that, 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 it's, that they're experiencing? Because let me, let me go a little bit back. When you go through this dark moment for those ha that haven't experienced it, it, it becomes isolating. It doesn't matter if you have your mom, dad, husband, kids. In that moment, those pensamientos are in your head by yourself. Yeah. So what would you tell someone that you feel that they feel like, they're going through a crisis or they, or not necessarily feel like they're going through a crisis, but they feel alone and suicide thoughts have been something that have crossed their minds. That's a really good question. I first want to say that, um, you know, this, this topic hits so close to home because I attempted suicide twice at a time in my life when I was experiencing bullying and There were certain debts in the family that just obviously naturally triggered so much for me. And I was 14, so, you know, transitional period. I was figuring myself out. Um, so there was a lot. And, you know, growing up in my household, mental health was not talked about. So I couldn't, I didn't have the language to be able to articulate what I was feeling. I was angry. I was sad. I was feeling anxious, confused. And now I know all of that, right? But then I, mm -hmm. I didn't know how to say it. And so now in my journey of mental health and seeking help, I think it's important to, even when you're feeling just a bit an ounce, you know, really find your community, vocalize like, hey, like, you know what, today I'm not feeling okay. I think oftentimes when we get into that very dark space, it's very easy for our minds to play tricks on us. Like, no, you're not loved. No, yes, you're disposable. Um, yeah, maybe this life is better without you. So before getting there, and that's what my mind was telling me at that time. Mm -hmm. So I think before we get there, it's just like really reaching out to help. I am very grateful now that I have a community, a friend group, a partner, um, and, my, and, my, and my sisters where we really talk about mental health. You know, just not too long ago, my sister, my younger sister called me and she said, today I'm feeling, I'm feeling very anxious and, and I can't get out of bed, you know? And so, yeah, 
take some time. I, I talked to her. I told her, like, let's let's see what's the root problem of it. Um, so I think just always having that open dialogue with people really does save lives. And just knowing that you're not alone. At the end of the day, your mind can tell you all of these things. But in, in, in reality, you're just you're not alone. You have people. More people want to see you thrive than anything else. And I think that that's what um, has helped me because even now, it's been 10 years um, since I attempted. And sometimes I still struggle with those dark thoughts. And I yeah. have to really, really like push myself to, to take a step backwards and to really see that I am so, so loved. And that goes for anyone. You are really loved and you just have to reach out and uh, make sure that you vocalize that you're not doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> I almost, I feel like I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Carmen, so much for telling us um, that journey of yours. And like you said, sometimes when we go through these, if you do go through the suicide thoughts and you get past them, there's still still that other step to it where you were beating yourself up for actually thinking of that. But I'm very happy that you got out of that stage. Um, Can you share with us a little bit about after experiencing those suicide thoughts, like what is it that triggered or helped you to tell yourself, I need help? Oh, I remember, I remember telling my mom that I feel very lonely. And my mom, you know, obviously my, our parents, um, a lot of our parents, they don't know really what mental health is. And especially at that time, um, I was really the first one in my family to start addressing mental health. She was like, um, let's get you in something. And so I was like, okay. So she was like, what do you want to play? And I was like, well, I think at that time I was, I was really into softball. And I got into softball. And I could really tell you that that was the start of something new. I think being part of a team made me feel like I belonged, that I was part of a community. And it obviously got my mind I got my mind away from all of those thoughts, right? Because after school, I would go to softball. Um, and I think that game really changed my life because I, I started having friends. <laughs> um, the power of community goes so far. Like, you can thrive in community. Um, and I think that's what that's what helped me a lot. And it wasn't until after high school, getting into college, where people really started talking about mental health, that I was like, oh, that's what that means. Um, I knew what depression was and anxiety is and, you know, OCD and, you know, all of that. And so I was able to finally articulate a lot of different things that for the longest time I wasn't able to. Wonderful. Yes, you're absolutely right. And and now that I think about it, Carmen, growing up, what for me in particular was very hard as well, but I did play softball. So we have another thing in common. I played softball for pretty much my whole time um, in elementary to middle school. Uh, High school is when I kind of stopped playing, but that is absolutely true. Like I kept myself occupied. I was a pitcher. So you were a pitcher too? No way. (laughs) I can't. And right field. You were right field. I I was left field. I had to think about that for a second. (laughs) How cool is that? But yes, that absolutely is true. So uh, I think that if suicide thoughts do end up crossing your mind, I think the the most important thing 
is to be able to ask for help and, and not to judge yourself because just keep in mind that you saying, I need help is actually a sign of strength. You're not showing any type of weakness. And even if you're okay, like continuously um, involving yourself in in community organizations or having a coaching group or accountability group or whatever you want to call it usually helps to, you know, keep thriving. Wonderful. So, so Carmen, can you tell me a little bit about your therapy experience? Uh, Obviously, whatever you want to share with us, how has that journey been for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's, and I want to note something too, before I talk about that is that there is, you know, at 14, trying to commit suicide, you know, there was things that had happened in my childhood that really pushed me to that point too. And there's going to be things in life that happened that add on top to that trauma, right? Or that re-trigger some emotions that maybe you experienced when you were younger. And so I think that's that's just really part, part of two of what I think is so important is that you don't have to go. I think that's part of the stigma in our, in our community that you don't have to experience something so traumatic in your childhood for you to have mental health challenges. You know, I often hear in my family, well, you know, you didn't grow up in the foster care system. You can't have like, you know, you can't have mental health issues. Or, you know, a lot of our parents immigrated to the United States. You know, that's obviously very traumatic. But you don't have to go through those experiences to have mental health challenges. And I know that is the number one thing I hear a lot in in my friend groups. Um, and, And we go through life you know, life likes to throw curveballs at us. And then boom, you're just like, wow, what is going on? I feel all of these things again, and it triggers emotions. So I think it's just no matter what, it's so important to reach out. My journey with with therapy has been a long one. (laughs) Um, I did not have the best luck at the beginning. I reached out to my first therapist when I started in my first market in Yuma, Arizona. Um, It's a border city. And it was after the 2018 migrant caravan um, happened. And we were sent to the border. We were sent into Mexico for like six months straight, just like talking about this. And there was just a lot of stories, you know, of families escaping violence and corruption. And, you know, you hear these stories and you're just like, what? Like, how? You know, like... And why? And then, you know, I think that really impacted me is to see the children. Um, the kid mm. really got to me, you know. Here I am, you know, having, you know, talking to them and they are 10 years old escaping, like, violence. And so it's something that I went home with. And, you know, I, I hustled a lot in my two years. I think it was that, that hustle culture that we often are told that, you know, you have to do in order to make it or the or you have to pay your dues. And so I wasn't sleeping. I was working 12-hour shifts and I really leaned on alcohol for the longest time in my first market. I started buying like six pack and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be for the whole weekend." I would <laughs> on a Friday night. <laughs> and so I was like, "Okay, this is not okay." You know, obviously this um I'm being uh, you know, these stories are impacting me. And that's when I decided to reach out to my first therapist. And I went through, now I have a really great therapist that I've been very consistent with. Um, 
but I went through like seven or eight therapists. And one oh, wow. was, yeah, of affordability, um, insurance. I mean, I had insurance, but it just, I would still have to pay out of pocket and it was really expensive. And my first market, I, I was barely making, I was making like 22, 23,000, you know, K a, a year, which is not enough. I mean, my paychecks were coming out to 700. My rent was 730. So I had that financial, like, oh my gosh. too. Um, and there were certain therapies, therapists that I wasn't clicking with for one reason or another. And so I think it's really important to highlight that they're finding a therapist is kind of dating, like dating. Yeah. <laughs> you have- I love it. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely true because, you know, when you're dating and you go out with this guy and he he uh, treats you a certain way you don't want to be treated, you're like, I don't know about this guy. And what do you do? You leave him, right? You go to the next person and that person probably looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> And you want to move on to the next person. Like, we should do the same thing when it comes to therapy. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it takes patience, you know. Like, there was another therapist that was kind of trying to make me hate certain people in my life. And that's not what... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was, like, looking for the healing. And, and then the therapist before this one that I have now, you know, it was great. But it was a lot of talk therapy. And I think I'm at a point, too, now where, like, I want to dig in deep and focus mm-hmm. on someone, you know, have someone that focuses on estranged relationships and healing inner child. Um, and I and I found that one. And, you know, I was referred. And so here I am seven, eight therapists later. Um, and it is such something that you have to emotionally invest in, but it's mm-hmm. worth it. And you mm-hmm. will find your match. I'm very glad that you brought that up. Um, because it, and we don't want to we're not talking about this, about being scared to go out and search for a therapist because you deserve the best when it comes to therapy. But there's three things to it. There is making sure that you're hiring or going through your insurance with the right therapist as far as like their specialty. It's like a doctor, right? When we're talking about there's doctors that specialize on the brain. There's others that specialize on the liver. There's others that specialize on, I don't know, surgery. So the same thing with therapy, like they have different expertise. They, If you feel like a lot of your mental health challenges are coming because of marriage, then you want to look for a marriage counselor. If it's a lot more like growing up, then maybe you want to do inner child. So definitely important to do your homework. And again, like if you don't click with the right person, like it's okay to go on and move on to the next and not give up in that moment. Right. Because... Who knows your next one might be the one. I mean, uh, Carmen, it took you seven <laughs> therapists to. <laughs> yeah. And I also want to highlight too that like, you know, if you want to find a therapist that has more of a holistic approach, you know, finding someone who is Latina or a woman of color. I mean, that was my goal to find a Latina, a Latina therapist. Um, then you have the right to advocate that for yourself. You know, I did, I, you know, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and past therapists wanted to put me on medication really quick. And I was like, no, wait, hold on. I want to do it this way first. I want to, you know, heal through movement. I want to journal, give me prompts that I can like write. That's the approach that I wanted to do. And I didn't get that with the past ones. So um, yeah, I think it's important to really advocate for what you're looking for. And what you're really not to do unless if it gets to the point that, you know, you need you need that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I have another question for you. So let's say 
um, I'm asking for your advice here. So let's say um, I know that I don't know that I'm I want to look for uh, inner child healing. Like I know that some of my challenges are for me being a child. Never been to a therapy therapist before. I don't even know how to start. How do I even know if I should take medication or not? How do I know if I want to do the holistic thing? All I know is I need help and that's it. Ooh, that's a good question, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and, and this is going to be based on your experience. Yeah. Based on your experience. Because again, let me make it clear. We're not therapists yeah. here. <laughs> Um, well, to be honest, I think for me, it was always like a known fact that I, that I wanted to do more of a holistic approach. I had, you know, you know, I've always been, you know, in the gym or running or whatever. And I have found that very healing physically to release a lot of that tension and emotions. Um, but I, I wanted someone to really bring me back to my, to the childhood, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and it's crazy that this therapist that I have has made me get to a point where now I dream of my childhood. And then I remember oh. certain things that have happened, certain people that I miss. Um, and it's it's been so beautiful. So I think for everyone is different. But in my experience, I kind of always just knew. I, I knew that the approach that I wanted to do, the gentleness that I wanted it to be on my body um, and spiritually too. I think spiritually is a huge part of therapy and it's something that I wanted to grow closer to, um, my spirituality, um, because I lost it for a very long time. And now I'm, <laughs> I'm in a place where I'm like very spiritual and like, I just move with the universe. I move with the earth, you know, um, it's kind of the best way I can explain it. And I think that was the best way, Carmen, I did put you in a really bad spot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, and I think that you're absolutely right. I think that I, the most important part is to know that, okay, I need help. Let me see what are my options. So definitely keeping your options open. And once you start feeling like they're pushing something at you, I think it's a natural feeling like where it doesn't feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, definitely flag it and, and continue moving on. Um, all right. So I, I do want to touch one more subject with you really quick because I'm very passionate about this as well. And, and you said inner child and you said um, your therapist is making, you know, depending on what you guys talk about, you're dreaming about these things. And it's amazing that you say that because it's so true with me as well in my own way. I feel like when I met with my therapist, she kept asking me questions and digging deeper and deeper in her own professional way. I don't know like what magic sprinkles she had in her voice, but I, she was able to identify some of the things that I was hurting from and I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Therapy, therapists will always find. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like... How did you even know? And, and, and my therapist told me, like, I'm going to be real with you. I think I just opened a can of worms for you. Um, but opening that can of worms was necessary to finally take it out of wherever deep, deep inside my brain I was hiding. Mm -hmm. um, that trigger that was hurting me without me even knowing. I almost feel like it's like when you go to, I don't know, to a park or you go anywhere in the spontaneously and you smell something or you see something and you start feeling a certain kind of way but you don't even know what it is and I think that that is like hidden either hidden trauma or a hidden great memory right it's crazy that you said that because that's how I found out 
that I was struggling with something <laughs> for a very long time. Um, it was something on TikTok that it was like of a of a daughter or a granddaughter. And it, she was like making tamales with her grandma. And I cried so much. And I was like, wait a minute, why is this making me cry so much? And I spoke with my therapist and, you know, oh, can of worms opened for sure. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up without my biological father. And I, and I also grew up without uh, grandparents on both sides. Um, you know, just a little bit of background, you know, my, my biological father was arrested um, and I have very blurry visions, um, memories of me going to the prison to visit him. And I do have a stepfather who I do call my father who came into my life when I was five years old and he took care of me and, you know, he's my father now, the one who taught me how to drive, you know, dance with me, my quinceanera. Um, so I really love my parents and they did everything that they could. They gave me a lot of love. But, you know, I think the absence of a biological father really, really, really hurt me. And it's something that I'm currently dealing with right now. Um, that feeling of disposable going back to my suicide attempt um, really came from not having my biological father. You know, him, maybe, and I don't know a lot, but what it felt like then is that he chose a lifestyle mm -hmm. even over me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, it has taken me, well, I'm 26, 24 years of my life to forgive him. And I don't know him, you know? I barely remember how he looks like. And it, it, it's, it's just, it has always hurt me. I, I think it has transcended into my relationship with myself, like not feeling good enough, again, feeling disposable, whether it be in my personal career, my personal life or my professional career, uh, feeling valued, feeling seen, um, that really does get to you. And, and I still don't know him. I don't, I don't even know if he's still in prison or not. So, um, you know, I think that he, my forgiveness though, for him really had to happen because I spend a majority of my life angry at him. Mm -hmm. And I think I had to forgive him because just the sanity for myself, you know, mm -hmm. um, I wish him well, and and I'm sure that whatever he did gives. I just hope he he's in peace, right? Um, and then I grew up without grandparents too. You know, my grandfather, my mom's dad, passed away from lung cancer. I was really young, um, and then my grandma on her side too. I I don't have memories with her. Like she was very not present. And then the same with my my stepdad. Um, he doesn't have a relationship with his dad and then his grandma too. So, I mean, his mom, my grandma, um, she's present, but not as present, you know, mm -hmm. here and there. And I just never knew that those things really hurt me until now. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend, his family is so united. And though my immediate family is, is pretty united, you know, my extended family is very distant. And so I, I don't really have like relationships with my family, with my extended family, uh, my cousins, you know, all of, you know, we just, we kind of grew apart. And so, yeah, I think that that has been some of the biggest challenges that I've had to face in my adulthood and my adult life. But I know that it's possible. I, I can see. And I think that that has given me who I, like who I am right now is that I love to love. And because I, I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're not worthy or they weren't loved given their circumstances growing up. So that was a long answer. I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> no, no. It's very relatable. And, and again, I think I shared with you at the beginning of the episode, uh, out off the episode, that I also grew up without a father and it affected me a lot. And that was one of the um, triggers that my therapist was able to identify. Um, I blame my dad for a lot of things. You know, I was a teen parent. I blame my dad for that. Although like he didn't take any action about that stuff. (laughs) It was my fault, but I blamed him for not being there for me, for not protecting me for, I blamed him. I mean, anytime that I felt broke because I felt like, where is my dad? Does he even know that I don't have any food? Anytime that I felt horrible about something, it would always go back. It always felt easy for me to blame my dad. Why weren't you there? And yes, him, and and this goes for you, and this goes for me and everyone that's listening. Any absent parent, we cannot justify. There is no justification to what they did as far as like being absent. That Mm -hmm. is very like a jerk move from their end. But also a lot of the things that we go through our lives because of their absence, it's not necessarily their fault. And, And like you said, Carmen, I think that you did a big step by forgiving them. Because I say in one of my uh, my first episode, sometimes these people go about their lives not knowing that they're hurting us or they know that they're hurting us and we're over here hurting for them. So forgiving is a way of letting go and you're forgiving them, not for them, but for you. To you deserve sanity. You deserve to take care of yourself. And if they don't want to be part of our lives, like so be it sucks to be them. Right. And, and I think too, uh, you know, I think my mom did such a good job in, in like, you know, picking up his part, um, and, and, and doing what she thought was right at the time, which is protecting me by not, you know, not having contact with him. But I think no matter what you grow up wanting to figure out and know answers and you deserve those answers. Absolutely. You know, and I'm going to be very transparent with, you know, who's going to hear this is that I'm still thinking whether or not to make that contact because I want to know answers. I want to hear his side. I want to hear, you know, I, I believe in second chances. That's a big part of who I am. I believe in second chances. And so I don't want to go through life asking what if, you know, and I know mm-hmm. different circumstances, um, but that is, that's where I'm at right now. But I, you know, I, I, I love, I, I can't say that I don't love him. He's my blood, right? Mm-hmm. Would I want him in my life? Probably not, but I I would like to hear from him. Yes, it, it's definitely a form of closure. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're absolutely right. We deserve answers when someone does, you know, do what they do. Um, as long as we're obviously treating it a healthy way. And I think that's what you're doing. Right. So you did absolutely great, Carmen. And and we, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to touch a lot of lives out there. And I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. I want to go ahead and do my, my signature closure. Uh, and that is, what is something you wish you had known before and want to share with our audience? Oh, I think right now, what I wish I knew then is connecting with your inner child. I think that when you are feeling certain ways, it's because your your younger self is lacking or craving something and just take the time to sit with her and hear her out. And then I promise you, you will jump back and you would be like, yes, let's do this. Let's push forward. 
Oh, thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you for sharing that with us. Again, it was a great pleasure having you, Carmen. Is there any other questions that I didn't ask that you would like to share? No, I think you touched everything. I think just my final word is, you know, to everyone listening, don't be afraid to reach out. You are not alone. You are loved. You are worthy. Y pues para siempre seguimos adelante. Um, and yeah, love you guys. Eso merito. Carmen, where can our audience find you if you wish to be found? <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find me. I'm pretty active on Instagram, Carmen Valencia News. You cannot miss me. Uh, Twitter, it's C Valencia News as well. So, yes. Thank you, Carmen. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to Vida. I wish I knew then. I appreciate your support and hope to continue providing valuable insights and inspiration. I invite you to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Your reviews will help this podcast reach more modern Latinas like yourself who are on a mission to break through barriers. Also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Vida underscore with underscore Jess to stay updated on the latest episodes and behind the scenes content. Recuerda, we're all on a journey of growth and self-discovery, and we're here to support each other. Las quiero mucho.